to you, and no one could have imagined what the next six months would bring, but I have not stopped praying for you. I have not for your encouragement and your passion for Jesus, and I mean that with every ounce of who I am. In months, I will tell you that. I know for so many of you and for your pastor as well. And I always like a little bit of a family reunion, doesn't it? Can I get an amen? Yeah, it feels like a family reunion. Uh, go to or like there's some strange people. Uh, it's normal. We have this luck, but we do have the splash pad uh, afterwards uh, as well. And this reunion comes with worship, so that's a bonus. And the reason that I say reunion is because for so many of you, you have realized through not being together for this long, how your is an extended family for you. You've realized, and maybe this has taught all of us this hard lesson or just reminded us that the church is not an event that you come to once in a week and you, you take it for granted. This is, and I'm guessing as you kind of see who each other is through the mass, you've missed each other. And it's so true that we often take for granted the people and the things that are the closest to us, right? The things that mean the most to us. And I think we've all learned that lesson so much. I've loved, at the same time that we haven't seen each other that much, I've loved connecting with all of you online through a bunch of different creative ways, through our classes and our groups uh, online, our, our faithful viewing hours on Wednesday nights. Any after-hours viewers out there? Okay, we got a good, awesome, on uh, Facebook Live with my wife, uh, Tiffany, and I. There's a petition going around to kick me off the show and have it just be Tiffany uh, for that. So more to come on that, but it is so good to connect with you in all those, those creative ways. And more than that, I've loved watching you love each other. I loved watching you comment on each other on social media and reach out to each other and help each other with things and look in on each other and stay connected. It's been incredible. But if we're honest, these last several months have been some of the most painful, frustrating, uncertain times that any of us have ever experienced, ever. A pandemic Racial unrest at an all-time high and one tragedy after another. It makes your heart sick. And then a hurricane in Iowa. What? Everybody just go, what? How many times have you done that over the last six months? What? That's like right after that happened, we're sitting in our house with our kids in the basement with our candles without power for most of that day. And I remember the first, literally the first thing that came out of my mouth, I looked at Tiffany, I said, are you kidding me, Right? What is happening? What is happening? I'm guessing that we're not alone in that. You have asked that question as well. One of the few things that all of us have in common tonight is that 2020 has not gone the way that we thought. The, the, the picture of what this year would look like for your job, for your family, for summer vacations, for school, for your kids, the, the pieces that life keeps handing to us that are seemingly out of control and random, they don't seem to make any sense. And I was, was thinking about it this way, wouldn't be a Hope Des Moines sermon without a prop, usually from our basement uh, or from one of our uh, children. One of the things that we've been doing a lot of in the Anderson Howling this season uh, is Legos. And I mean a lot of Legos and stepping on Legos. Uh, young families, young parents, can I get an amen for stepping on Legos? Okay. Some choice words are reserved for that uh, happening. And so we've been doing lots of Legos. Our son Caleb and I were working on this Star Wars set, and we have been for some time. It's pretty sweet. It's, it's for ages eight and up, and there's almost 400 pieces to it. And so he's getting a little frustrated because he's only seven. It's one of the larger uh, things that he's put together. And he's where 
he gets a little impatient. And the other night we were holding some of the pieces together and he's just holding the different pieces in his hands. He's starting to get so frustrated because he can't figure out how all these seemingly random pieces fit together the way he wants them to. Because the premise of Legos is that you get the picture, but you, it comes to you in pieces. The way that it comes to you is in seemingly random pieces. I remember one day in particular, he's just holding these on it. They don't fit together. Fit together. He just gives this big huff. It's not working, Dad. I don't get it. I don't understand it. <laughs> I don't want to do this anymore. And he throws it down and starts to walk away. And of course, I didn't let him quit, but I want to ask you the question tonight. What do you do when the pieces... Don't match the picture. What do you do when the picture that you had for what life was going to look like don't match the pieces and the day-to-day things that come your way, especially this year? I mean, think about it. This This is ridiculous. I'm trying to put myself in Caleb's shoes. I just got this piece and several other pieces in there, and they're all random, and this doesn't look like a spaceship from Star Wars. I paid 40 bucks for this thing. It's got holes in it. This isn't, this isn't the way that I envisioned it happening. This isn't what I pictured. By the way, just a side note. Pieces and the picture. This is what the first year of marriage is like for a lot of people. Can I get an amen from some of the couples out there, right? It's going to be amazing. We're so in love. You don't put the dishes in the dishwasher the way that I thought that you would, right? Parents, is this not parenting, Right? I'm gonna, we're going to have a beautiful family that we can, oh, we're going to have an Instagram picture-perfect family. He's a world changer. First year of parenting, do the poopy diaper again, right? It doesn't come to you the way that you planned. That's kind of life for a lot of us. How many of you have been sitting there the last few months just like our little boy saying, I don't understand how it's all going to fit together. A disease, racial injustice, disasters, Here's the truth. Just like a new Lego set, our world is broken into right now, and I wonder if God wants to challenge us all tonight. Don't judge the picture by the pieces. Don't judge the picture and say, that's it, that's the end of the story, I'm giving up, I don't understand how all these seemingly random things fit together. And that brings us to the scripture reading that you heard read earlier from John chapter 11. If you've got your, if you brought your Bible, if you got your phone on your Bible app 11 is we're going to be hanging out the rest of our time. And we start in verse 17. It says, when Jesus arrived at Bethany, he was told that Lazarus had been in the grave for four days already. So let's back up a second. Jesus isn't just arriving at any funeral. Yes, I picked a funeral passage for our outdoor worship service. Yes, I did. We'll get to that. It's not just any funeral. It's Lazarus, who's the brother of Mary and Martha, some of Jesus' best friends. And the funeral is still normal in those days. It'd be several days long, and people were just standing around, and they were weeping and, and wailing. The scene is full of hopelessness and fear and doubt. And the question on everybody's mind is, how could this have happened? What is going on? He was, Laz, man, he was so young. What is going on? This piece doesn't seem to make sense with the picture that we had in mind for this family. Also, Jesus got the message that Lazarus was sick four days before this 
before everything fell apart. And so the question now is, Jesus, where are you? How could you let this happen? What do you do? How many of us have asked this? What do you do when you don't know what to do? <laughs> what do you do when it's 2020? <laughs> what, do you, what do you do when the pieces don't match the picture? And I believe that Jesus shows us forward, and what we can learn in John chapter 11 is three keys that I want you to remember tonight as you go home. What do you do when you don't know what to do? What do you do when the pieces don't fit? Number one, you invite Jesus into your pain. You invite Jesus into your pain. Why? Because he's already there. And some of you are in a lot of pain right now in a lot of different ways. Now notice there's a lot of ways Jesus could have showed up to Lazarus being in the grave, to this funeral. God, after all, imagine hundreds of people around the park like we have tonight and Jesus shows up and it's 2020, right? This is how Jesus could have showed up on the scene for Lazarus and said, cheer up, everybody. Don't worry, I've got it. It's not that bad. I'll fix it. But instead, in one of the most profound moments in the Gospels, in the shortest passage of all of Scripture, Jesus approaches this scene full of sadness and despair and hopelessness. And in the shortest, it just says, Jesus wept. The New Living Translation, which we use a lot, that a lot of you have, says a deep anger welled up within him and he was deeply troubled. How would it change things on your outlook on the last six months if you truly believe that Jesus had a holy anger at the brokenness of our world? That he weeps with you, that God at the brokenness of this world. Where is God in the midst of 2020 and all the broken pieces? He's right in the middle of it. He's right there next to you, putting them back together. And some of you are in the middle of it right now. You're, you're still recovering from the storm. Anybody have branches out in front of their house like we do? Anybody that picked up yet? Still recovering from that? Some of you are facing the loneliness, and that's real. The loss of a loved one. The end with day after day of the racial injustice in our nation. It's like, I can't take it anymore. What does Jesus do with pain when he feels that as, as being fully human? He feels it deeply. And I want you to hear me loud and clear and remember this no matter what comes our way these next several months. The Christian response to negative feelings is not get over it, suck it up, or have more faith. (laughs) It's a human being created in the image of God with deep emotions. And to deny those emotions is to deny that I bear his image. It's okay to not be okay. And follow Jesus at the exact same time. It's okay to feel that. And yet, because I follow Jesus, those feelings and your feelings and our circumstances are not the end of the story. And they do not define us. And it's not the end of our story because it's not the end of Lazarus' story. Jesus turns to his sister Martha in verse 25 and declares, you've heard this so many times before. Jesus says, I am the resurrection and the life. Anyone that believes in me will live even though they die. And everyone who lives and believes in me will never die. Jesus offers us comfort, but he also offers us hope. And I mean real hope. I don't mean the power of cheer. I don't mean optimism. I mean real hope that says the worst thing is never the last thing. 
The worst thing, anything that this year could throw at you is not going to be the last thing. It no longer has the power to define us. We don't judge the picture by the pieces that don't make any sense. And the power of this story is that Jesus isn't just, Jesus shows up and he walks the talk later on in the story. Shortly after it says Lazarus' grave, we learn was covered by a giant stone, just like Jesus' was. And Jesus shouted, Lazarus, come out. And the guy walks out, wrapped in, he's teepeed. He's wrapped in toilet paper, essentially. He comes walking out, and it is not a pleasant smell for the people that are there. He's been dead for four days, okay? If you can imagine, as unwrap him and let him go. Now, is our story going to end with a perfect miracle? No. For some of you, you've prayed and prayed and prayed for God to break through or for healing, and it hasn't happened. And this was an incredible story for Lazarus, but don't forget, Jesus' words to Martha was pointing to a different resurrection, and that was Jesus' own resurrection. And because of that, the victory that we have for anything that this world could throw our way. What does Jesus show us? don't know what to do. Number one, you invite Jesus into your pain. And the second thing that we do is that you see obstacles as opportunities for the kingdom. You see obstacles as opportunities. Jesus says, I'm going to take this stone, this giant stone that everybody else sees as an obstacle. Well, we don't have Lazarus anymore. We can't do that, and we won't have the stories, and we won't have the memories. Excuses, excuses, and Jesus says, I see that as an opportunity. I'm going to take this death and the end, and now whenever people look at stones, they're going to think the thing was rolled away. Where everybody else sees fear, where everybody else sees despair, I see an opportunity. I didn't, I didn't will all of the broken pieces this year in your life to happen, Jesus says, but I'm going to take them and I'm going to put them back together. What the people needed in that moment was comfort. They got it. They needed hope. They got it. And we've got it. And then they need a Savior who's going to encourage and provide hope. And our world and our city need the exact same thing. And because you follow Jesus, that's exactly what you have done as a church the last six months. Because you remember, for those of you, right, that pay attention to the end of our services, get up at the end, and what do we always say? Now that you've come to worship, go and be, oh, I didn't hear you. Now that you've come to worship, go and be the church, right? The church. And that's exactly what you have done. And if you haven't been paying attention, or maybe this is just a quick refresher. This is just a few of the ways that God has been working in and through you. You didn't quit when you stared at the obstacle. You didn't quit. In the last several months, you have helped contribute with all of Hope's campuses over 10,000 masks for the city of Des Moines. That's awesome. We're so thankful. For now, I'm telling you this, I've got more, so hold your applause to the end, and then we'll just give God a big roar, okay? So let me get through all these, and then we'll hold our applause, all right? We've had over 100 volunteers spread out over 12 work days at our new facility, masked up, spaced out, and there's just a little bit of work left. But other than that, we are ready for worship. We are ready for ministry. Joshua Christian Academy starts this week. Preschool starts this week. It's going to be incredible. You have donated hundreds of pounds of food for local pantries. Dozens of volunteers helped with Vacation Bible School this summer that went to over 15 states and six countries online as people experienced Camp Hope. 
instead of giving up, dozens of our small groups have found creative ways to meet. I found people meeting in our parking lot. I've seen people sitting in their cars, online, in parks, wherever they can find. Stories continue to roll in of hopesters helping their neighbors uh, after the storm hit with food and with shelter and with hooking up gen- all of that. Our awesome volunteer care team joined with our staff and over a two-month span, we pray we got to everyone. If we didn't, we profoundly apologize. They called over 1,300 people that call Hope Des Moines home. And that was an incredible effort by our amazing uh, care team as well. Hundreds of you have taken Alpha. You've taken the, the Be the Bridge class that Jen mentioned earlier. We never do long classes in the summer. It just doesn't work. It's hard. People are gone. Class on a, a very you know, cheery, easy subject of racial injustice and racial reconciliation right in the middle of the summer with our friends from Elam and had over a hundred people stay consistent with that the entire summer all the way through. And you showed when there's painful topics or, or difficult things to confront, instead of staying quiet, the church is called to lead the way. And that is what you have done. Praise God. That's just a sample. Give God praise for the summer. It was incredible. It was awesome. I have been asked fairly regularly, John, when is hope going to open? And I appreciate the question because I know that it comes from a healthy desire to get back in the habit of weekly indoor worship. And I get it. And I feel the same. And I'm just as frustrated. I share that with you. But in all honesty, I can say this without a doubt. Hope never closed. A church never closes because the church is a building. Praise God. The church is not a building or an event once a week. It's people on mission, and you can't, you can't cancel hope. <laughs> what do you do when you don't know what to do? You invite Jesus into your pain, and you see obstacles as opportunities for the kingdom. Even if it's divisive, even if it seems impossible, like trying to be a part of the solution to bridge the racial divides that a nation And unless you just have given up on news anywhere altogether, you know that this is very real for us as a nation and as a city right now. And so I wanted to give you a little bit of context for where we're going as well, because I don't know what I'm going to see all of you next. I just want to catch you up to speed. Last fall, when the opportunity came to purchase our new facility on university, God made it clear to us that this isn't about hope. This isn't just about us. It's a chance to bring together. This is an opportunity to build on the relationship that Hope has had with Elam Christian Fellowship, a a multicultural church here in the city for the past 20 years. And so last fall in our 10 for 10 vision, God called us to build on the racial unity work that Hope's been doing for decades, calling us to be bridge builders and city changers and unity agents. And so we started meeting with some leaders from Elam, our leaders and their leaders met together in October and November and January, and we shared with you, Pastor Hurst and I shared with you, uh, then as we preached together in January, as we gathered together in February, we announced that Elam would be joining us, that we would be coming together. Neither of us have worshiped in this building. It's not our church, it's not their church, but it's going to be our church together. And we shared that Elam was going to be joining us in our new facility. And we're so excited about that. Because I think we've got some Elam people here tonight. Can I get a, there they are. They're the, they're the rowdy ones in back. There they are. So we announced that. And at that time, we were praying about, okay, what is that partnership going to look like? And I can tell you that over the past several months, we've had a task force together of leaders from Elam and of Hope that has 
prayed into this and explored this further, and I'm so encouraged by the unity that's been formed, the, the, the passion that these groups have to do what's best for mission, not just, well, this is going to be weird, and this is going to be awkward, and, and you can't Google uh, what we're trying to do together. There's no precedent for this necessarily, but God's been challenging us, and God has been teaching us, and I can tell you, I have never been so convicted And I have never been so challenged as your pastor in almost 12 years at Hope than I have been the last three months. We have so far to go, and we have so many ways that we've dropped the ball as the church. But we are setting and we are saying, not anymore. It's going to be different because we know Jesus and we follow him. This is not a political issue. This is a God issue because God cares about every single person. And that is who we're called to be as a church. And I have been, I have been so convicted, as so many of our leaders have, that the picture, the picture that God has given us of racial unity and reconciliation, got to start in the church. It's got to start with us, not just to talk about it, but to model it. And so we've been talking and praying the last couple months about not what it would look like to just kind of work side by side, but what would it look like to work hand in hand? What would it look like to put the pieces back together, together with each other, to actually merge our two churches together, not for any financial reason or some agenda or one church taking over another, but truly uniting sake of the gospel. Would you believe that? For no other reason. What would it look like for a white church and a black church, both completely independent and stable on their own, to willingly choose to come together to represent the kingdom of God on this earth? And we could not be more excited about that. Amen? So there's been an incredible amount of prayer and planning that has gone to, and let's just get honest. There are some of you right now, there's people I've talked to, you say, John, that is a great idea. It's never going to work. That stone is too heavy, Lazarus. That obstacle is too great. There's, there's too many pieces. There's too much brokenness over racial issues in our nation and in our city. How's it all going to fit together? I have no idea. But God does. And he pieces back together. But God's given us a very clear picture in his word. This is what I want my church to look like. Where everybody's welcome. Where the Jesus who unites us is stronger than the politics or the skin color of our skin that could possibly divide us. Jesus is way bigger and way stronger than that. And so Jesus is calling us to bring these two churches together because it's biblical, because it's missional, because we can reach more people than we can separate. And I'll be honest, this is the fun one. It's practical. We like each other, don't we? I think so. Yes. Okay. A few of them do. We like each other and we're having a ton of fun and we're better together. We found the places where hope's a little bit stronger, Elam's weaker. And where Elam's stronger, hope is weaker. And God is literally putting the pieces together behind the scenes. There's a lot of questions, I know. Oh yeah, I got a lot of questions. Is it going to be extremely messy at times? Oh yeah. But God is the one that's helping us put the pieces together and more over the next several weeks and we want to encourage you to register. We're doing another Zoom with our friends from Elam on Wednesday the 9th and the registration's open for that. You can sign up for that. It's going to be awesome. You're going to have several opportunities over the next month to ask questions, to get more clarity on that. 
and then we'll make a formal announcement of that here in the near future. Some might say, John, we're in the middle of a pandemic. We're in the middle of an election year and racial unrest, and you really want to do a church merger with a multicultural middle of that. Absolutely. One, because we're slightly crazy, okay, for Jesus. And secondly, in a world more divided than ever, maybe this is a perfect time to do it. Our world is crying out for something bigger to unite us, and we believe that's Jesus. That's why we're doing what we're doing. And so what do we do when we don't know what to do? You invite Jesus into your pain. You see obstacles as opportunities, especially in a season where so many families and kids are struggling with how they're going to make returning to school work. And I want to let you know in the coming weeks, you're going to hear opportunities for ways that we are going to be opening up our building in a safe, mass, socially distanced way to kids from the Des Moines Public School District and their parents and working alongside DMPS to get kids the educational help that they need and make sure that they are fed and loved this fall if they can't get that at home. And that's what, as the church, and you're going to hear more about that as well. Obstacles become opportunities for the kingdom. And finally, what do you do when the pieces aren't fitting back together? You go back to the basics. You go back to the old roads. And this is the last thing I want to share with you tonight from the book of Jeremiah. The Lord says this, stand at the crossroads and look. Ask for the ancient paths where the good way is and walk in it. We'll find rest for your souls. As best you can right now, everybody at the same time underneath your mask, take a deep breath and let it out. I think every single one of us here tonight could use this because I get it. This is hard. I don't like it. Weary, and we need rest for our souls, and Jesus offers that. And when we're honest and we're looking for rest, so many of us the last several months, we go for the, the quick fix. When we're stressed, the most natural thing to do is that we'll, we'll just go to something to numb the pain. We'll, we'll lash out on social media at somebody. We'll, we'll turn to a drink or the, the latest article that agrees with us. Or to be honest, it's just easy to give up on our faith. And we forget that regardless, money or not, Every single one of us was created to be in a relationship with God. You were created to know him, to worship him, to follow Jesus every single day, whether you are physically in a church building or not, to build relationships with each other. So we go back to the basics. We go back to the manual that's inside that box. We go to the manual, the Bible that you have in front of you tonight, and we get connected. Take a class, activate your faith. Join a group, get connected. If you're struggling, if you're lonely during this season, I want to remind you, community isn't found, community is built. And it takes taking ownership of your faith. Parents, invest in your kids. They may not remember everything from this season of COVID, but they will remember that mom and dad stepped up and led them as the priests of their home. It doesn't matter if you don't know what you're doing. Tiffany and I have no idea what works that we can. And that is enough. Your kids are looking to you. What does it look like to follow Jesus even though we're not in this church building? And so there's Caleb and I in our basement and he's holding the pieces and he said, Dad, I'm so frustrated. I just want to give up because it doesn't make sense. 
And what he forgot is that he has a loving father that's sitting right next to him. That's and is helping to put the pieces back together. And I think that some of you might have forgot that when you're alone and you're frustrated and you're as mad as you know what and the pieces aren't fitting, you have a Father in heaven that loves you and is holding all things together as the book of Colossians tells us. The firstborn over all creation. In him all things were made and in him things hold together. That is the promise that we have in our Heavenly Father tonight. Our confidence as followers of Jesus is not in our ability to make sense of all the pieces. Our confidence is in the one who holds all of them together. Who says, just like I turned to Caleb and said, you're my boy, you're my son, I've got you. And God says that to you. Hope Des Moines, we're on a wild ride. The picture that we saw ending at Ingersoll, this isn't the picture that we saw when we were going to move into a brand new church. That was supposed to be in April. The picture doesn't make sense. This isn't how I envisioned the fall happening. We're on a wild ride, and he says, Hope Des Moines, I've got you. I've got you. I've got this. And whatever you're going through tonight, I've got you. And I've got this. You are my sons and my daughters. You're a child of God, and there is a place here. Amen? Let's stand and let's worship together.